And this is the reason we're talking about this is because it's going on right now. Russia and China are peaking. China is probably not at its peak. I think Russia has already passed its peak. But looking down the road demographically, looking down the road strategically, China cannot is doing a huge right now doing a huge military buildup. Technically, they have more ships in the Chinese Navy than we have in our Navy. They're not big aircraft carriers, but they have more ships. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Uh, we are back with an exciting, or sort of semi-kinda exciting, second hour of the Personal Wealth Card, starring Jake and... Jeff. McClure. We are going to be talking about lots of interesting things this hour. Um, shrinking and growing economies in the world. Um, demographics which is my favorite of those, even though it sounds the more bo most boring on the surface. Is it the most boring or a boring-est? I guess it would Nothing be like most that. boring yeah. because it's hard to be boringer. Yeah. Now, Germany and Japan were the two core countries that went to war in World War II with the rest of the world, the Axis. The Italians, by the way, are having a similar problem, only in a very Italian way. Their economy keeps collapsing and their government keeps collapsing. And who cares? Have another drink of wine. Um, <laughs> but that's because they're Mediterranean and they don't have winters. Um, but, but this is an important going to a completely different subject here. Actually, I was going to talk about why the, uh, the layoff rate jumped a little bit. Um, yeah, this, this is, I mean, we're, it's the same subject. We're talking about unemployment, full employment. We're talking about where are places where full employment, th there's some fascinating stuff happening here. Let me just in the, this picture of time. Um, first, by the way, the first the reason the layoff numbers jumped is because Massachusetts announced that they're because of their budget situation, they're running out of money to pay unemployment and they might be a delay. If you filed for unemployment, there might be a significant delay before you got your first check. So a whole bunch of people filed for unemployment and that's weird, but that's what happened. And that's right. why the jump in unemployment numbers. And yeah. So, so this, this concept of what's happening in the world, that's different from history. There's only one other point in history where we can see this happening, where a population of a country is getting smaller, but the wealth of the country per capita is getting larger. There's only one other point that I could find in history where this is happening, and that's happening in both Germany and Japan. Uh, Japan, it's very pronounced in that um, there's a lot of real estate that, you know, they say they're not making any more real estate, but there's empty houses all over Japan because there's less people living in them. But each person now owns much larger houses. So the only other time in history that I can see this happening was during the Viking expansion when the Scandinavian countries were heading out Viking and they'd go find loot and bring it back. So the wealth of the country was increasing. If you could call it a country at the time, it was like a bunch of, I mean, the Danes were sort of a country um, where they brought back all this wealth, but more and more of the population was leaving. They'd had this big, huge bulge in their population because they had some years of really good weather and they had a lot of good cattle 
And then there were enough of them that they could go out and start conquering other places. Well, their population left. So their population at home shrunk, but the wealth at home per capita went up massively. Each person owned more. And now you come forward to today, the only other time in history that I've seen this happening is the Japanese, to some extent the Germans now, their wealth per capita is increasing, but the country's power on the world stage is decreasing. It's fascinating to watch because it's rare in history. It means that this is a better way of doing it than going out and conquering people, in my opinion. Uh, it's a much more uh, friendly and uh, equitable way of of doing it, if you ask me. Anyway, that was the snapshot and weirdness and demographic economics throughout history. And this is, the reason we're talking about this is because it's going on right now. Russia and China are peaking. China's probably not at its peak. I think Russia's already passed its peak. But looking down the road demographically, looking down the road strategically, China cannot is doing a huge right now doing a huge military buildup. Technically, they have more ships in the Chinese Navy than we have in our Navy. They're not big aircraft carriers, but they have more ships. More importantly, if you count the number of missile launchers, total missile launchers on ships, they have more than we do, which is a crucial element. They are revving up for a war. Now, where are they revving? And the parallel here, by the way, is is fascinating when you look at. Uh, Russia and China, nobody really thought, I mean, including people who really knew the inner workings of the Kremlin, really honestly thought Russia would invade Ukraine until they did. Why, in retrospect, we look back and say, why did Russia invade Ukraine? And the reason was they realized they can't sustain the military buildup they have indefinitely. And this is their opportunity to make a grab before they started to climb. The Chinese are unfortunately in a very similar position. They demographically, they are they they've they've grown tremendously as they've converted from uh, oxen driven or oxen pulled plows to modern uh, digital technology in a very short period of time. But they're running out of capacity to continue that growth. They are utterly dependent on imported oil right now and imported raw materials. They have a population within the next decade that will start to shrink. The working population will start to shrink dramatically and the elder population will start to rise dramatically during this decade. I mean, they are at a point where they can afford and they have the people to have huge armed forces and they can do it. But it's really clear to anybody that's looking down the road and the Chinese definitely look down the road that this is not going to continue. The Japanese, the Chinese are very, very xenophobic. They do not like foreigners coming into their culture. They simply don't like it. And they both had delusions of grandeur. The Chinese sincerely believe that they're the central um, culture in the world and the rest of the world should bow down to them and the world circles around them. And it's unfair that it isn't doing that regularly. This is a serious concern. Uh, and I want to draw a parallel between what's going on in, in Taiwan right now, around Taiwan, and what was going on around Ukraine. And, and there's a lot of discussion about the Chinese are building up and they're acting like they're going to invade Ukraine, but they really won't because it will wreck their, econo- their economy if they invade Ukraine or invade Taiwan. See, I slipped up on that one. Well, we said the same thing about the Russians. There is a big threat on the horizon. 
And I think the threat will be resolved within the next 10 to 15 years, maybe within the next 18 months. Uh, there are military analysts in the United States who know, who speak Chinese, who speak Mandarin, who have been warning for some time that the Chinese are going to take Taiwan. Whether it is sooner or later is maybe a question, but there's no question about one thing, and that is they are planning to do so and they will do so militarily because they have given up on any possibility of convincing the Taiwanese that they should join, rejoin the mainland China peaceably. And they believe with all their heart that it belongs to them. And they got a president who believes that, who, by the way, said very clearly recently and has said over and over again, the problem of the reunification with of Taiwan into the China, the People's Republic of China cannot be passed to another generation. And he ain't young. Uh, you want something to worry about? That's something to worry about. Uh, the United States economy, by the way, if the Chinese got into it with the United States, uh, the Chinese would ultimately lose. Uh, and that's presuming too sad. But no nuclear holocaust occurred. Presuming well, there's there's a lot of presumings, but yeah, if it, if we're talking about a traditional war without global annihilation china would not prevail they have the capability of damaging us yeah but not destroying us we have the capability of destroying them the other thing is china functions on a lot of oil that has to come across through the malacca straits to get to china for their economy to continue to function yeah this is a Um, strategic issue for china is they're they are absolutely dependent on foreign sources for energy Absolutely. And, and, and raw materials. But this is where Japan was prior to World War II. Yeah. And they decided to alleviate that problem by capturing the areas where they were vulnerable. And this is something that is, um, I'm just glad I'm not president and have to deal with that right now. Uh, it, it, isn't, it isn't a fun thing. It is something we are entering, in, in, to put this in a little bigger picture, as the, as the, is World War I and later World War II developed, there was a clear line of demarcation. Initially, it was kind of fuzzy, and then it got more and more clear as the, as the years went by. On one side were autocracies. That's where somebody, some party or some individual ruled a country with an iron hand. On the other side were democracies where we routinely changed leaders and we routinely... Um, griped and complained about our current leader and nobody was thrown into prison for doing so. This is, I mean, it, a lot of people don't remember and they didn't, they, I mean, they studied in school, but they forgot it. World War I was the world, the war to make the world safe for democracy. World War II was basically a repeat of World War I. And I strongly suspect World War III will be a repeat of one and two. There, in The Economist, there was an article and I've seen some other places, a new axis is forming. The axis of uh, Russia, Iran, and China. And there's some people who are throwing in with them, and there's some people who are throwing in with the West, with the allies, if you will, uh, with NATO. And we are hardening our positions on both sides, and the buildup in military is occurring. Unfortunately, a lot of our military, uh, our ships, our uh, submarines, our aircraft carriers, and a lot of other things are going to be retiring in the 2020s, and it'll be the 2030s before the new spending that we're 
doing right now produces new equipment and new capabilities. During that period of time, during that window in the 2020s, China will, in some, in particularly near their borders, probably be more capable than we are. And that is their narrow window because once they get into the 2030s, their demographics start to go against them. Everything starts to go against China in the 2030s. And this is a very, very sensitive period right now. And this is, if you look at where we are right now and you look at the buildup to World War II, the parallels are a little bit striking. There's a new book coming out, The Coming Danger Zone, The Coming Conflict with China, um, published by W.W. Norton. Um, by a guy named Mr. By a guy named Brands. Um, so Brands and Buckley, Beckley, I think, are the uh, the authors that I've read reviews on that sound like it may be a very prescient book. It's very similar to some of the books that were published in the 1920s and 30s, warning about the coming war. And I think Jake said this earlier to me off the air. And I think it's very important to note that we'll look back and say, why didn't we see? That Russia's invasion of Ukraine was the opening shots in a world war. And and I don't I'm not saying that to say it's happening right now and the escalation is going to be fast. But what I actually said was, I wonder if in the future we will look back and say, why didn't we see that Russia's invasion of Ukraine was the beginning of war, of, of a much larger conflict? Uh, because Ow. I remember in history class, people asking that, well, why didn't they know that by stripping Germany of its military and, and embargoing them and making them pariahs for the rest of time wasn't going to work? Because they didn't. They didn't know. And you only know by looking back. And, you know, our sanctions on Russia, they don't seem to be stopping Russia, but it's making them in some ways angrier. Um, and they're at a place where they seem to be pretty exhausted militarily with just Ukraine. So I don't see them as a great threat here, but China's a good supporter of them and they can use the mentality of Russia to take or to threaten or put siege around Taiwan, essentially. Uh, you, you had something to add here? Well, if you, if you look at Italy and, and Germany and Europe, and you look at what was going on at the beginning of World War II. It was Italy invading countries that couldn't defend themselves really well. They didn't have a very capable military and they exhausted themselves doing it, but they got tacit backing from Germany. The parallels are pretty tight. Right. I really sincerely hope we don't get to the point where we have a global war going on. Uh, that, but the reality is we are doing a pretty good job of repeating the history from about 100 years ago. And there's, for the same reasons, uh, and this is a reality that we need to open our eyes and recognize. Uh, does that mean you should immediately bail out of the stock market and put your money in cash and hide under your bed or something like that? Absolutely not. Uh, in fact, it was in the 1930s that um, John Templeton realized that the Depression was over uh, when Germany invaded Poland because he realized defense spending would kick the economy into high gear. Right. So it's true, but it's something to be aware of. It's something to be aware of in the big picture. We are the, the Chinese cannot prevail against us in a global conflict. They can't simply because of the size of our economies. Our economy is bigger than theirs. Yes. Their economy technically 
is comparable to ours. And yes, it's growing somewhat faster. But with each passing year, their economy slows down. Ours is pretty stable. Uh, the one thing that we are missing, and I'll realize I may take some flack on this. The one thing that we could get in some severe trouble long term with is if we continue to restrict legal immigration. Uh, we are not having enough babies natively to to replace our population, and we could get into the same decline that, that other countries are getting into very, very easily. The United States has maintained its growth and its dominant position by allowing waves of integra- immigration from the rest of the world. Now, if we control, cut that off, controlled, yes, quality legal, controlled, legal, legal right. immigration is what we're talking about. And that's it's a necessary factor in our continued innovation and dominance. And when I say innovation, this is the other aspect of this. If you look at any scientific publication, if you look at the patent rolls for the new inventions, what you'll see is something that's true going back to the beginning of when we had patents issued in the United States. They're immigrants that came here because we support innovation and we reward it. Uh, if you think about Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and uh, Bell, um, Tesla, Carnegie. Carnegie, you just go down this massive list of the people that innovated and changed who we are as Americans, the, the core of what we think of as American value. What? I mean, you just keep going down the list. There's just so many you're that, not finishing the sentences. Those are immigrants. All immigrants. All of them came from somewhere else to the United States. They did it legally. So that level of innovation, if you look at the patent books today, who is getting the patents? If you look at innovators today, it's the same throughout history. I'm not saying immigrants are somehow better than the rest of us. It's that the best of the other places want to come here. And when they do, they come with this explosion of ideas that have been sheltered and fettered and, and subdued because nobody would be rewarded for it, for it. So they come here and you have this explosion of growth from that. Without that, we would be a much lesser country. Over, I mean, I think, much lesser. I think a lot of people don't realize that Steve Jobs' parents were from Syria. Yeah. I mean, with a name like Jobs, you don't right. identify it. Elon but, Musk uh, is from South Africa. Uh, you just go down this list. And I'm not saying that I think Elon Musk is a great guy or that Steve Jobs was a nice, sweet-hearted fella, but they've demonstrated a dynamic change that doesn't seem to be as readily available in a comfortable, well-to-do population. There's a hunger that comes from having parents or being in a place that has less. And if we don't continue to add that in, that fresh blood to our system, we'll, we will decline. That's, it's just true throughout history. It happened the same in Russia, in, in, Russia, in, in, the, in Rome. Uh, and they had big debates about it. And Julius Caesar was uh, one of the big proponents. They called it the, the new men that were new senators, senators from places that were not part of Rome, uh, that weren't even part of 
what we consider Italy today. You had senators from other places, from even places in Italy like the Tuscans. Ooh, they got to be uh, senators in Rome. Well, this is strange. Well, before that, you had to be born in Rome to be a senator and specific families in Rome. So this concept of bringing in new blood, new ideas, new growth and innovation needs to be done in a controlled fashion, and it needs to be definitely quality over quantity. But quantity is needed too, because the second generation of even the lowest of immigration turns out to to be quite innovative. They turned out to, they turn out to add a lot more to the economy than the average native-born citizen. I know that's this is controversial, but it's just numbers. It's looking at the numbers throughout the history of our country. There's I mean the vast majority of the people living here didn't have their ancestors here at some point. And that now we've said enough on that I, subject, I think. <laughs> I think we could literally say that everybody here didn't have their ancestors here at some point. It's true. Including the American, so-called the the Native American, the American Indians. At uh, some point, they came. Evidence. Yeah, this was a pretty they empty continent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe ten thousand years ago, but they did it, or thirty, or fifty, or some some large number of years before. Yeah. Um, do you want to go on to the next question? Uh, let's see. The too Which costly one? one. Oh, TSP. The thrift uh, savings plan. There are. The Thrift Savings Plan has as one of its options an investment in the S&P 500 Index Fund, which they call C. The C Um, Fund. The C Fund, as in Charlie C, not Ocean. And in the S&P 500 Index are certain companies that are Chinese companies that basically support and supply the Chinese military. So the issue is, why are we doing that? Why are we taking federal money to apply towards the retirement of federal employees and giving it to the Chinese military. And the answer in the article in the Wall Street Journal that John, the inquisitor, uh, sent us is that it's too expensive to sort those out. Actually, I don't think it's too expensive. I just think it's a case of bureaucracy saying this is the way we're doing it and to change anything would be too expensive. There are funds out there right now that are basically you can you can purchase an index fund that excludes certain types of stock from the index. Now somebody has to give us a definition of what is a Chinese company. Does if nine percent of the company is owned by Chinese investors, is it a Chinese company? It could be done, but it would be administratively a pain in the whatever, and Congress would have to authorize the money, and it, we would take years to remove the Chinese companies from the TSP and they're doing a really good job of doing it themselves right now because they're not allowing their companies to be audited by uh, certified auditors from the United States or or any on the New York stock exchange, any certified auditor European or otherwise, they don't have any certified auditors in China because they don't like doing audits there. Yeah. Well, they like doing audits, but the government wants to do the audit. No, we say, pardon me, but this this looks like it was done in crayon. Do you, do you mind if we take a look at it? No, we're very profitable, I assure you. Um, but this is a picture of a dog. Yes. Okay. Um, so, profitable dog. Yeah. So even like Alibaba, which is one of the tops of China, is on the D-list um, threat list of, hey, this might disappear. 
And it's because they don't like us going in and checking to see if they really are profitable when they claim that they are. And so so they are delisting themselves. And this the other side of this answer is it is costly if you think of it in terms of outright dollars because the TSP is huge. It has a lot of money in it. And even if you're charging 0.1% more to try to figure out what companies are Chinese, that's a very expensive in terms of real dollars. And you can see a headline saying government spends too much money in trying to figure out, you follow that. Um, the TSP is managed by State Street and BlackRock. BlackRock has some indexes that they look at already that excludes Chinese funds. But here's the issue. You said it. What is a Chinese company? If, if a Chinese company is just any company made that's in China, then we have to do a new law to exclude those companies. That would be sanctions on those companies. Do we really want to rise, raise the tensions with China by putting sanctions on them and excluding them from the TSP? Well, we may say, hey, we're not going to do it to these strategic companies, the ones that are making military products for the Chinese. That's still a sanction. That's still it going would, to affect their bottom line. It would take an act of Congress to, to cause the TSPC fund to exclude Chinese companies, and we're out of time. Yeah. Uh, and just as a quick flashback to an earlier question, I realize we've got some commercials to play. If a company does a large percentage of its production in China and the facilities that it's, that are being used to produce it also produce for other companies, including Chinese military, is that company to be excluded from purchases on the thrift savings plan? I know that sounds like I just changed the subject crazy. We had a section, uh, a question on it last hour on should we exclude Chinese companies from the thrift savings plan for federal employees and military. And uh, the question is, that's really difficult to figure out. Where is the line? Somebody needs to give us a definition, and then that will be the definition that's used. Oh, definitions. What's a bear market? What's a bull market? What's a recession? What is a Chinese company? What is a, an American company? And we're about out of time. This is the Personal Wealth Coach with Jeff and Jake McClure. Uh, this is the personal wealth coach, and we do make uh, other statements than really bad puns about songs. Uh, but uh, today, that's how we're starting our episode. Yeah, uh, we are uh, a a finance program, as you would probably guess from the personal wealth coach being our title. The personal wealth coach is not just the title of the program; it's also the name of an SEC registered investment advisory firm. All right. Well, does that mean that the SEC likes us? What would you say to that, sir? I would say that the SEC is professionally dislikes almost everyone. Right. That is no implication of the SEC's approval just because we're registered with them. Why is the radio program and the firm named the same thing? Because we have to give this disclosure no matter what it is, and it's less disclosurable. It takes less time to do if it's just the same name. So... We've been doing this program here uh, on, this in, on this station, 1400 AM in Temple, since 1996. We've been doing this a long time, and we haven't been paid for it ever. Uh, we also Man. have not ever paid for it. 
So we've been doing this a long, long time, and the whole idea is education. We do advertise as a firm for on the studio, uh, on the channel, for this radio program. We don't actually advertise for our firm. We're advertising for the radio program. So what we're saying is that this is educational, and we do occasionally get business from it, but our purpose here is truly education. That being said, it's not advice. Advice would be if I knew who you were, if the other bald guy, Jeff, knew who you were, and we were able to have a private conversation with you about things in your best interest versus broadcasting to everyone. So we're going to be talking about education, which is why we do the program to begin with. So those two disclosures are really one. And having said that, do you deem to tell us another disclosure? Yes. The information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. And he really can't get through the week without that. I think Uh, if you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually give individually, uh, individually crafted and customized advice based on what people are trying to achieve. That's generally portfolio management and portfolio management. And that's generally for people with higher net worths, but we make exceptions occasionally. Um, And so you can contact us locally voicemail available during the weekend, but actual real live people know phone tree during the week at 254-947-1111. You can reach that line tool free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. And I think it's important to note that we're an independent fiduciary firm. We don't work for a corporation. We only work for our clients. Right. Exactly. Uh, You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. There's a contact form. You can use emails, Jeff or Jake at tpwc.com. There are uh, recordings of the radio program going back years, newsletters going back decades, uh, and you can find us wherever podcasts are given. Um, Thank you very much for listening on a nice Saturday morning. And until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.